0: Praise God. Let's pray over the word of God this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Father. You've given us your word. You've given us a revelation of yourself. You didn't leave us in the dark to grope along and try to figure out what this was all about. But you showed us very clearly and plainly who you are and who we are in you and through you and because of you we thank you, Lord, that you've given it to us right in your word, that we can open your word. And by the help of the Holy Spirit, we can receive these truths, Lord, that, that transform us, these truths that guide us, these truths that will cause us to live in victory, that will cause us to live in the fullness of what Jesus purchased for us. We thank you for it, Father, today as we open your word that the Holy Spirit gives us revelation and understanding. I pray that for every person hearing this message, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Luke chapter 5, verse 15 is where we'll start today. Luke 5 and verse 15, it says, However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Matthew 4, verse 23 now. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. And now Luke chapter 9, verse 11. But when the multitudes knew it, they followed him, and he received them, and spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and healed those who had need of healing. I want to spend some time this is this is my first time to preach in the New Year. Actually it seems like it's the first time I preached in a month, which it kind of really is, because Christmas Eve was kind of a different service. So uh so this is really the the, the first time that I've preached in quite quite a few weeks and, and the first time this year, and I want to spend some time at the beginning of the year I just had this in my heart from the Lord, uh spend some time teaching and preaching on the subject of divine healing. Praise God. So uh, we, may, we may spend several weeks uh, on Sunday mornings on divine healing. Amen. And the number one reason why is because we need it. Because we need it. Amen. Amen. And you see, the, the verses that we read here reveal to us a pattern uh, or strategy, uh, a method that Jesus employed in his ministry. Teaching, preaching, and healing. The teaching and the preaching came before the healing. And if Jesus, if that was his strategy, that ought to be our strategy. So I want us to take some time, again, these first few Sundays of the new year, doing some teaching and preaching on the subject of divine healing with the, with the result of us being able to reap in our lives, each of us, a harvest of healing and health. Amen? Because we know there's healing in the Word. Why did he teach and preach? Before the healing came, because there's healing in the word, Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, "There's healing in the word." Psalm 107, Psalm 107 tells us that in verse 20, He sent His word and healed them. He sent what? His word. He sent His word and healed them. What healed them? The word that He sent. He sent His word and healed. Now there's a, you know, there's a a, a wide. perspective or a wide way to look at that, we can say that, you know, John one says in the beginning was the word. So Jesus is the word God sent Jesus and Jesus paid for our healing. So he sent his word, the Lord Jesus to heal us. But there's healing. There's also healing in his written and spoken word. Amen. Amen. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Praise God. So So the word of God can heal us. And it can deliver us from our destructions. Amen. Even if you've had self-inflicted destruction in your life, the Word of God can heal you. That's the great news. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I know of many testimonies, folks, that were, you know, that, that were addicted to drugs and had, had all kinds of, of, of terrible things uh, that had happened to their bodies because of the drug abuse and the drug addiction, and the Lord healed them. Amen. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Hallelujah! Praise God! Praise God! I know. I know several uh, t- a couple couple, um, a couple of different individuals I'm thinking about right right now that had. What's the worst kind of hepatitis? Is it C? Is that the worst one? Hepat- healed. Of, you're not supposed to get healed of that, right? That's supposed to that's supposed to just mess you up forever. Uh, I know of at least two individuals that that because of drug use uh, had contracted hepatitis C, both healed and delivered from hepatitis C. Friends of mine, amen, people that I know personally. Praise God. Isaiah 55 now. Isaiah 55 verse 10. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, So shall my what? Whose word? God's word. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Hallelujah. Well, what did he send it for? Well, we just read in Psalm 107 verse 20, he sent it to what? to heal us and deliver us from our destructions. And so so he tells us right here, he said, when I send my word, when it goes forth out of my mouth, it's not going to return to me void. It's going to accomplish what I please and it's going to prosper or it's going to succeed in the purpose or the thing for which he sent it. So... He sent it to heal us and deliver us from our destructions. And so he says, okay, it's going to be successful in that God's word. will do that if we will receive it, if we will open our hearts to it. And if we will give the word a chance to work in us, then it will, it will prosper in the thing for which God sent it. It will succeed in that and it will bring healing to us. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Now, now let's go back and look at verse 10. I want to, I want to uh, focus on that one for a moment. Verse 10 says that his word is like the rain. He said as the rain that comes down and the snow so is my word. So he's uh, he's given us an analogy here. He's saying that the that the rain and snow coming down to water the earth that's like my word. Amen. He says his word is like the rain that waters the earth and causes what has been planted? Let's look again at verse 10. As the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud. So, to, so what, does the, what does the rain and snow do? It, it causes the seed that's been planted to grow and to produce fruit, right? So God says here, so, is, so shall my word be. So God's word is water, For the seed. You say, wait a minute, pastor. Wait a minute. You got that wrong. The seed is the word. Well, wait a minute. Is the word seed or is the word water for the seed? It's both. It's both. 1 Corinthians 3. So the word is seed. We're going to look at that in a moment. But it's also the water. Amen. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5. Paul says, who then is, writes, who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. Look at this, verse 6 now. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Amen. Well, let me ask you a question. How, how How did Paul plant? When he says, I planted, how did he do that? He taught, he, taught, he taught and preached the word, right? So what was he planting when he taught and preached to them? Seed. The seed, what was the seed? Word. The seed was God's word and it is God's word. So he, when he says, I planted, he's talking about coming to the Corinthians and teaching them and preaching to them. He's, he's planting the seed of God's word. He said, I planted and then Apollos, after I left, then Apollos came along and Apollos watered. Well, how did Apollos water the seed of God's word that Paul had planted? Same way. But Apollos came and taught and preached the word of God. Now, the things that Apollos was teaching and preaching, he was coming along and reinforcing what Paul had taught. And so he wasn't planting all over again. The seed had been planted by Paul. Apollos was coming along, sharing those same truths and same principles, and he was watering. He was watering what Paul had sown. You see, the problem is with, with, with a, lot, a lot of folks is uh, sometimes they get the seed of the word planted in them, And then they go along and and hear some bad teaching or wrong teaching or inaccurate teaching. And instead of watering it, it actually digs up the seed. That's why Jesus said, take heed what you hear. Make sure you're hearing the truth. Make sure you're hearing the word of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So if if a Bible truth is new to you, then whoever shares that truth is planting. They're planting the seed. You didn't know about that before. You you didn't know that healing belongs to us. And, and and somebody comes along and shares that, and that's planting that seed on the inside of you. And uh, But once you've heard that truth, then that seed, just like in the natural, you know, if you went out and planted a crop but never watered it, what would happen? You wouldn't get a harvest, would you? You wouldn't get a harvest, right? And if you planted a crop and it just rained one time on that crop, you know, like we, you know, what if we had... And what would you rather have? Would you, would you like to have some of this rain that we've had lately where it's just a deluge for one day and then, and then no rain for three months or six months? Or would you rather have just a little rain like every other day, every three days? What's better? The, the consistent rain, right? The consistent watering, right? Are you, are you seeing this? Are, are our eyes being opened this morning? Amen. So once we've heard a truth... And in our case, when we're talking about healing, once we've heard a truth, then the seed needs to continue to be watered in order to produce a harvest. That's why that we should never say, oh, I've heard that before. Amen? Amen. When someone is teaching or preaching a message on a subject we might even be familiar with, Peter even said it this way. He said, even though you're established in the present truth, He said, I'm stirring you up by putting you in remembrance. Amen. So my goal in this this teaching uh, that we're beginning today and will continue the next, next few weeks is for you to reap a harvest of healing in your life. Amen. So let's look at, so the word is water, but we also know the word is seed. So let's look at that for a minute. Let's look at the parable of the sower. And I want to point some things out. Uh, in the parable of the sower, and I just realized that I left somewhere in my office uh, a book that I need. So I don't know if somebody can run to my office. Op- Mike, can you run? And uh, it's a, it's I think it's on my desk. And if it's not, it's in my briefcase. It's a book by Kenneth Hagin called "Love: The Way to Victory." All right, I need to read you a couple of testimonies out of that book. So, but Matthew 13, we'll go there. Matthew 13 and uh, verse number one. And Kim, I'm depending on you now because I don't have, it in my, have those in my notes. I just wrote the reference down. Matthew 13, i I'll get to it though in my Bible. Uh, on the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables saying, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have... You found it. That was fast. Thank you. Uh, Some fell on stony places, verse 5, where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root... They withered away and some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So this is the the famous parable of the sower that Jesus tells and he explains to them and to us That the sower, the seed that the sower is sowing is the word of God. And he also explains in this parable that the the different types of ground that the seed was sown into represents the human heart. Different conditions uh, are the human heart in different uh, stages of of, of, of spiritual uh, development and growth. Some of the seed was sown by the wayside. And um, that's someone who just kind of accidentally hears the word of God. They're not really paying attention. And uh, they just kind of accidentally hear it. Well, that's not going to do any good. If you don't give your full attention to it, then the devil is going to come immediately and steal the word before it even has a chance to really get in you and start germinating. All right. And then he talks about uh, seed being sown uh, and on stony places where it didn't have much depth of earth. It sprang up uh, quickly, uh, but there was no depth there. And he said, because, because there was no depth there, that, that when the heat came, uh, when the adverse conditions came, it withered away because it wasn't rooted. And then he talks about some falling on thorns and the thorns coming up. And Jesus explains that that's the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things that come in. And the Word of God gets choked out. And he says there's one out of the four there, though it says, but the seed that falls on the good ground, he says it yielded a crop, some 100 fold, some 60, some 30. So you and I determine which kind of ground we're going to be. Amen? Let's all make a decision to be good ground. Amen? Let's all make a decision that when the Word of God is planted in our hearts, that it's going to be, that our hearts are going to be good ground, that we're going to, we're going to uh, get rid of all that other stuff so that the Word can have its full effect and so that we can reap a full harvest in our lives. Amen? And again, in this case, a harvest of healing. Praise God. And so he concludes the parable in verse 9. If you throw that back up for a second, Kim. <coughs> he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So this is all about, this parable is all about hearing. And as we read on down, we found out it's all about healing. Well, that's what Jesus was out doing. He was out preaching and teaching so that people could hear, so that they could be healed. Amen? The hearing comes before the healing. Turn to your neighbor and say, the hearing comes before the healing. Say, if I want to be healed, then I have to hear. Amen? Amen? Now, this is the way you can keep your healing. Amen. We thank God for the gifts of the Spirit and, 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 other, and other methods of ministering healing. The Bible instructs us to use all of those. But, to, but to, and Brother Hagen, you know, talked a lot about this, that, you know, he, was, he uh, you know, was in that healing revival from the late 40s and through the, from 1947 through 1958, there was a revival of divine healing. And, and there were many ministers that, that had tents and, and had, uh, you know, and, and there were people like Oral Roberts and others, and, and had remarkable miracles and healings. And uh, Brother Hagan said, I never was led to get a tent. I, I stayed in the churches. And I would come along after, they, after these guys would have their crusades, and I would teach on faith, and I would teach these principles because sometimes folks would receive their healing, but because they didn't know how to, to hang on to it, they would lose their healing. And I'd be able to help them and teach them the word where they could keep it forever. Or at least, I mean, you know, as long as they lived in this earth. Amen? So you can hang on. This is how you're going to keep your healing. Amen? It's by it's by hearing the Word and applying it in your life. Like Robert talked about, learning to be a doer of the Word. Amen? Matthew 13 now. Uh, verse 14. We're in Matthew 13, but go down, we'll go down to verse 14. He says, and in them, as, he's, as he again, he just finishes telling this parable, and then he says this, And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Now again, he gives us a process right here. As we look at this verse, there's a process for healing that we can see and that we can apply in our lives. Verse 16, he says, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Say, My eyes are blessed, for they see. My ears are blessed, for they hear. He's not talking about our our physical eyes here. He's talking about the eyes of our understanding. That's why Paul prayed for the Ephesians. I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Amen. Hallelujah. So So again, here's the progression. See with our eyes. Hear with our ears. Understand with our heart. Once you see with your eyes, once you hear with your ears, again, not your physical eyes, but your spiritual eyes. Once you see and hear. Then understanding can come, you will understand with your heart, and then he says, and turn so that I should heal them. Yeah. Praise God. So see with our eyes, hear with our ears, understand with our heart, then turn. That's where our action comes in. Yeah. Turn and be healed. Yeah. Turning to God, then, that speaks of repentance. And that agrees with what James says in James 5 16, confess your trespasses to one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. Amen. Amen. Now again, I'm not saying today that if you're sick, that you've got some secret, unconfessed sin in your life. You know, that could be, but I'm not saying that, okay? You, only you know that. Don't If you don't know that, well, let me tell you, no, it can't be. You don't have some secret sin in your life that you don't know about. Sometimes the devil tells people that, well, the reason that your blessings are blocked is there's a secret sin in your life that even you don't know about. No, you know about it. If you've got sin in your life, then you know about it and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about it. Amen. The Bible says if our heart condemns us not, we have confidence toward God. Amen. All right. So let's just clear that. Amen. Now, but there are things that we may need to repent of. And I just want to uh, throw out two today that are major, that are the two major ones, I think. The first one is unbelief. Wait a minute, we need to repent of unbelief? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. See, going from, going from unbelief to faith, you know what that is? That's turning to God. That's exactly what yeah. Jesus is talking about here. Lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn. See, when you see with your eyes, when, the, when you under, when you see the word of God, when it's revealed to you, when you hear it with your ears and when you understand it in your heart, that produces faith and that's bringing you out of unbelief and into faith so that now you're in a position to receive healing. Amen. All right. Uh, so, so go again, going from unbelief to faith, that is turning to God. All right. Hebrews 3, verse 12, in the New Living. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and... The Bible calls unbelief evil. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. So if unbelief turns us away from God and away from His power... And away from, from, from his ability and his resources then, and his blessings, then, ter- then faith turns us to him. Amen. Are you seeing this? Yeah. Amen. Let's look at Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 5. It says, now, it's talking about Jesus when he comes to Nazareth, his hometown. Now, he could do no mighty work there. Doesn't say that he wouldn't, it says that he couldn't. He was limited. All right? He could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few. Now, all throughout the rest of the Gospels, we we see that that, that the whole multitude came to him and they were all healed over and over and over again. Amen? multitudes being healed. But in his hometown, he could do no mighty work except he laid his hands on a few sick people. And and the uh, Greeks, uh, Greek scholars say where it says sick there, it, it indicates with minor ailments. He laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. That's all he was able to do. He said he couldn't. He was limited in what he could do. And he marveled because of their... Unbelief. So what kept Jesus from doing what he wanted to do for them? Unbelief. unbelief. So what do, we need, what do we need to allow the Word of God to do in our hearts and in our lives is to turn us from unbelief to faith. Amen? Amen? Amen. And it can do that and it will do that. Praise God. He marveled because of their unbelief. It's like, <laughs> this is some powerful unbelief. I'm, I'm astonished at it. But did Jesus give up? Did, did Jesus write them off? No. Look well, at he did. Then he went about the villages in a circuit. Why? Because Jesus knew that the cure for unbelief was teaching. Teaching the word. Amen. So I, I want to encourage you to stick around for these services that we're going to do because we're going to help you. And maybe you're in faith right now, but if there's any unbelief in you, uh, if, you're, if you're like the man that came to Jesus uh, with his son that was a, a, a para, a, a, an epileptic, and he said, uh, uh, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, maybe that's where you're at, but we want to help you. Amen? Yeah. Praise God. And, 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 and you have help in God's Word. You'll find yeah. that help. So unbelief is something that we need to repent of. We need to, if we've got any of that in our heart, we need to get it out. Amen? Yeah. And let the Word of God root it out. Yeah. Amen? The second thing is unforgiveness. The two uns, unbelief and unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is a huge factor in us receiving our healing. And oftentimes, the first person that we need to forgive is guess who? That person that you look at in the mirror every morning. Yourself. That's exactly right. Mark chapter 2, verse number 3. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him, because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, so not only the, the man's faith, but his friends that brought him, and you know the story, they, they, they tore the roof off to, and let him down in the, uh, so, so he could get to Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, you were healed. Now, what did he say? A trick question. Right? Son, your sins are forgiven you. Can you imagine those guys after they did all that? You know, after they get there, they, they, bring their, they bring their buddy to Jesus on the stretcher and they see that the house is full and they can't get in. And they say, what are we going to do? And they, and they get up on the roof. They tear the tiles off the roof. They let the guy down. And they're just, they're just knowing that, 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 they're, that their friend's going to get healed. And Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. And they said, wait a minute. No, that's not what we came for. That's not what we did all this for. That's not what we brought him for. That's not what we tore the roof off for. Jesus, we wanted you to heal him. Well, Jesus was, was in the process of doing that. Amen. But, the, but, the, but before this paralytic could hear, rise, take up your bed and walk. He first had to, had to hear and needed to hear, son, your sins are forgiven. Amen. So he had to, in other words, Jesus knew this man had to forgive himself. Yep. This man, uh, I, I believe that's what it was. Anyway, the Bible doesn't elaborate on it in the text there. But I believe that Jesus knew that this man, in order to be able to hear, uh, rise up and walk, in order to be able to hear and, and believe that Jesus wanted to heal him, that Je- that even he qualified to receive healing, he had to hear, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Amen. Amen. And that's what you need to hear. I want you to hear. I want you to know, son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Amen. Your sins are forgiven. I hear these, read these testimonies of Jesus appearing to, these folks that were former terrorists and coming to them in their dreams and saying, I forgive you. He appears to them and, they, and, and all of a sudden their eyes are open to, to what they've been doing and they're, they're so distraught because of all the evil that they've done. And the Lord Jesus says to them, I forgive you. I forgive you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Healing belongs to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we got to forgive ourselves first. Amen? Amen. That's why I recommend, that's why we still do it in prayer school, and why I recommend praying the Lord's Prayer frequently, every day. Amen. Every day. Amen. Hallelujah. Forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who have trespassed against me. Amen. Praise God. Forgive me of my sins as I forgive those who have sinned against me. And that's the other part of it as well. In order for us to receive forgiveness, we have to grant it. Mark Rutland says, No enduring inner health is possible unless we experience God's forgiving love as both a recipient and a grantor. Amen. We have to receive His forgiveness but then, right on the other hand, we have read it just this morning in my daily Bible reading, Matthew chapter eighteen, of the servant that owed his master ten thousand talents, and, and as he could not pay, as his master had him put in debtor's prison, and he went to his master and he said, when, you know, begged him and said, please, you know, please forgive me, and I'll, you know, let me out of prison. I'll repay you all, uh, all of it. And his master had compassion on him and forgave him. And then he got out and then he found one of his fellow servants that owed him much, a much less amount. Yep. And he began to beat him and he threw him into prison. And his master said, how can you do that? I just cleared your slate. I just forgave you of all that debt that you owed me, 10,000 talents. And now you're here and, you, and you've, put your, you've, you've put this guy into jail over much less than that. And uh, so, again, the Lord expects us, once He's cleared our slate, which He has, He expects us to grant forgiveness as well. Because unforgiveness will hinder your healing. Unforgiveness will hinder your faith from working. That's what Jesus said in Mark 11. Jesus gives us the the great the, the, the amazing teaching on faith about speaking to the mountain. And in, and in verse 24 of Mark 11, he says, Therefore I say to you, what things ever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. And then he says, and, yeah. in verse 25, and when you stand praying, yeah. what? Forgive. Forgive. Forgive if you have anything. King James says, odd against any. Yeah. Uh, Anything, ought means anything. Mark, Mark Hankins says it this way. He says, I think, he said, in prayer lines, we ought to have a little can of ought remover. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody coming up in the prayer line, psh, let's just put that, let's just spray you with that ought remover and get that, get that ought out so you don't have ought, so you won't have any ought against any. <laughs> well, you can't, it doesn't come in a can, but you can. As an act of your will, you can forgive. You can forgive. Amen. And it's necessary if, you're, if your faith is going to work. Amen. Is Reed still around? Can he come up? Reed, can you, if you can hear me. Is he, oh, there he is. Okay. All right. Come on up and begin to play. Praise God. Amen. So 3 John 2. 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. And what? Amen. Let's say that phrase again. Be in health. Amen. And now, when he says, I pray, this is, this is a revelation of God's will. It's God's will that we be in health. And you know how we're going to be in health? He said, just as your soul prospers. Amen. So, in re- here's, what, here's why I mentioned this verse. In receiving and in granting forgiveness, you know what you're doing? You're dealing with your soul. Again, I'll go back to Mark Rutland and that, that, that book and that message, 21 Seconds to Change Your World, because it's, so, it's such a powerful truth, restoring the soul. He said, he said the Lord's Prayer and the 23rd Psalm, praying those, it's all about soul restoration. It's all about restoring your soul. And we're going to prosper and we're going to be in health to the degree that our soul prospers. And and when we when we receive forgiveness and when we grant forgiveness, that is that's working on our soul. That's restoring our soul. That's soul health. Amen. Amen. And to the degree that we have soul health, we can have physical health. There's so many scriptures, and and I read it in Proverbs in, this morning. Proverbs fourteen thirty: A sound heart is life to the body. A sound heart is life to the body, but envy rots the bones. You know, one translation says, "A heart at peace gives life to the body." Amen. Amen. We can't separate our physical health. We're talking about divine healing. Well, and 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 your body won't respond to medical treatment as well either uh, if your soul is not well. Amen. We can't separate physical health from soul. Well-being, and there may be other areas that we need to deal with. When Jesus says this back in in, in Matthew thirteen, and turn so that I should heal them, but I think I, I think we've we've hit on the major too. Turn from unbelief. Turn from unforgiveness. Amen. I want to close with with, with the uh, talking about still talking about forgiveness. I want to, uh, as I said, share a couple of testimonies with you, and I could probably have shared most of it without looking at the book but it's just better uh, be, be better to, to uh, don't miss any details and important things here. Um, Brother Hagen writes in here over the years I've noticed that f- the folks who listen to the word and respond to it by making the necessary adjustments in their heart are the ones who receive their healing. Only a small percentage of people receive healing who only go to one meeting. Don't get into the word for themselves and don't make any needed changes. For example, a woman came to my wife and me after a meeting once. And said, I've had stomach trouble and a respiratory problem for some time. I decided to go to every one of your services and get in the healing line at the end of the week. She had, and, and, and he would encourage them. Look, if you can stay, don't get in the healing line the first day. Stay and hear the word. Stay and hear the word. And then you know, get in, the, get in the healing line, then have hands laid on you. Let the word work in you first. Amen? All right. She had already been to almost every leading healing evangelist in America at that time, but had not been healed. This woman said toward the end of the week, I began to realize that before I could get into the healing line and expect God to do something for me, I was going to have to get my heart right by calling my brother to ask him to forgive me. She went on to explain to my wife and me that she and her brother had had a disagreement 25 years before. They had not spoken to each other since, yet they both claimed to be Christians. This woman checked up on the inside and realized she still harbored resentment and unforgiveness against her brother from something that had happened 25 years earlier. Anyway, she called her brother, and she's in the meeting, she called her brother long distance and said, I just want to call and ask you to forgive me. I was wrong. After not speaking for 25 years, she said, you know, if I'm going to get God's best, I need to, I'm going to have to deal with this. So she calls him up. She said, I want to call and ask you to forgive me. I was wrong. He said, I'm so glad you called. I was thinking about calling you. You weren't to blame. I was. I've been intending to call you and ask you to forgive me. And then they went back and forth. No, it was me. No, it was you. No, well, yeah. And he said, they finally they finally agreed to take 50% of the blame each. And she told him after the meeting that she was going to fly to New York to visit him. She told me later that after she got things right with her brother, she felt a deep sense of peace and well-being on the inside. She lay down to take a nap before the evening service. Later, she told my wife and me, when I woke up, I couldn't find a trace of any sickness. I mean, every symptom and every pain completely disappeared. She said, I've never felt so good in all my life. All my stomach problems have disappeared and so have my lung problems. She said, I came all the way down here to the meeting and I never did get in the healing line. But when I forgave my brother and got things straightened out with him, I got healed. The moment she started walking in love, she could claim God's promises about healing. Over a period of many years, I've had person after person tell me the same thing. They had to forgive someone and get the situation straightened out before they could receive their healing. Some of them were even terminal cases. One man told me, my doctor said you'll be dead in 30 days. The man just made the necessary adjustments in his heart by getting rid of every bit of ill will animosity and unforgiveness. And he's healed and still alive today. I never did have to pray for him or lay hands on him. Think about that. He was healed of terminal cancer when he exercised forgiveness. In more than half a century of ministry, I've dealt with thousands of people who needed healing. Not all at one time, of course, but I'm talking about dealing with sick people on a one-to-one basis over a period of many years. I've known people who got in the healing line of, of nearly uh, healing lines of nearly every leading evangelist of the day, and still did not get well. Especially in days gone by, when there was there were healing revivals everywhere. Then I've seen those same people make a trip to the prayer room and get their heart right with God. Then you didn't even have to pray for them; their illness illnesses disappeared completely. Praise God. Uh, let's see. Let's. I want to read you one more story or one more testimony. My wife and I once held a meeting in the western part of the United States. A young couple who were in the ministry went out to eat with us after the service, and you may have heard me share this one before too. The woman said to me, Brother Hagen, tonight you quoted the scripture from 1 John 3, 15, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. I said, I sure did. I plead guilty. When I quoted that verse, the Spirit of God also inspired me to add, that means mother-in-law too. She said, but I hate my mother-in-law. Here was an ordained minister and she said that she hated her mother-in-law. I said, if you do, the Bible says you're a murderer and you don't have eternal life abiding in you. God wouldn't tell you to love your brother. That means mother-in-law too, if it were impossible to do so. I knew she really didn't hate her mother-in-law, but I wanted her to get located. I wanted to get her located so she could see herself in the light of God's Word. You see, just because I realized she didn't really hate her mother-in-law, that wouldn't help her. I had to get her to see it. So I said to her, look me in the eye and say to me, I hate my mother-in-law. All right? And at the same time, check down in your spirit. All right? The Bible didn't say that the love of God is shed abroad in our head... The love of God is shed abroad in our heart, in our spirit. That's why I told her to check in her heart. She looked across the table and said, I hate my mother-in-law. I said, when you said that, what happened in your spirit? She said, there's something down in my spirit scratching me. I said, I know it. That's the love of God in your spirit trying to get your attention. The love of God is trying to constrain you so that you love like God loves. What should I do? uh, What should I do? She asked. I said, you're going to have to act just like you would if you loved your mother-in-law because you really do love her. The way out of the situation is to walk in love even when your flesh doesn't want to. He he explained that you're just allowing your flesh and your mind to dominate you. But in your heart, in your spirit, you really do love your mother-in-law. Praise God. And uh, let me see where I need to go next. A few days later, this woman invited my wife and me over to her house. She also invited her mother-in-law and her family. She came over to me and she said, you were right. I don't hate my mother-in-law. These, these folks are Christians and they love God. I was just operating in the natural and I let my emotions get a hold. of it. I know nobody in here has ever done that. I let my emotions get a hold of me. I let my natural reasoning and my flesh dominate me. The love of God is in my heart. I love them. They're wonderful people and they love God. After talking to that young couple, we learned that they were trying to believe God for their little girl's healing. Their youngest child had had epileptic seizures since she was two years old. And they had taken her to a leading specialist. The specialist had said, This is the worst case of epilepsy I've seen in 38 years of medical practice. Sometime later, this couple called me and asked me to come and pray for their child because she was having an epileptic attack. My wife and I got in the car to go to their house to pray and just as real as though someone were sitting in the back seat, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Uh, Now I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm about to say because it can mean the difference between life and death. It can mean the difference between how long you live and whether or not you get healed. The Holy Spirit said to me, Don't pray for the child. Don't lay hands on the child. When you get there, say to the mother that I said, under the old covenant, I said to Israel, walk in my statutes and keep my commandments. Do that which is right in my sight, and I'll take sickness away from the midst of you, and the number of your days you will fulfill. That's Exodus uh, 23, 25, and 26, if you want that reference. Then the Holy Spirit said, paraphrasing that in New Testament language, because we're living in the new covenant now, Right? Paraphrasing that in New Testament language, I said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Uh, uh, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, because you have love toward one another. Praise God. Then the Holy Spirit said, Say to the mother, tell Satan, Satan, I'm walking in love now, take your hands off my child. You see, there are times you shouldn't lay hands on people for healing." In fact, if certain conditions are not met, you could lay hands on them till you wore every hair off their head and they wouldn't get a thing in the world out of it except a bald head. Laying hands on people when they need to make an adjustment in their heart will only hinder their faith because nothing will happen. We arrived at this couple's house and I told this mother exactly what God had instructed me to say. The mother pointed to her child who was having a seizure right then and said, Satan, I'm walking in love now. Take your hand off my child. As fast as you could snap your fingers, the seizure stopped and the child was normal. Every symptom left that little girl. Praise God. Well, five years later, these parents of this epileptic child visited one of our meetings in another state. By that time, the child was eight years old. I asked them how their daughter was doing. The couple told me she's been in perfect health. In fact, she has the highest IQ. Of anyone in her school. I asked them in, the, in this five year period, has she ever had any other symptoms? The mother said twice. There were some little symptoms that showed up. What did you do? I asked. She said, I just said, Oh, no, you don't, Satan. I'm walking in love now. Amen. And our daughter was all right. That happened many years ago now. But then in 1991, these parents came to our annual camp meeting. Of course, their daughter was a grown woman by then. My wife and I talked to them and asked how their daughter was doing they said from that time till this she never had another seizure amen. hallelujah praise the lord amen yes. hallelujah hallelujah god's word works amen yes. god's word works let's apply the word let's work the word praise god yes. psalm 105 verse 37 i want to leave you with this this is out of the actually out of the original i've explained this before the original New Living Translation. They 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 republished the New Living, and I guess this was just too strong for them. I don't know, but they took it out and they reworded it. But I've got I've still got an original. If you, if you doubt what I'm telling you today, come to my office after the service, and I'll open up my original New Living Translation and show you that it says just this in Psalm. <laughs> you believe me in Psalm 105:37. Look at what it says. Look at what it says. There were no sick or feeble people among them. Now, this is talking about when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. And, and they were delivered out of Egypt. First part of the verse says he brought them out loaded with silver and gold. They changed that part too, because that descended too too good to be true. Uh, we used to have a banner with that, with this on it. I need to we need to put that banner back up if we still have it. Uh, but but when, he, when they brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, probably three million, one to, between one and three million people, there were no sick or feeble people among them. And that was under the old... Co- yeah, but what about the old ones? There was old ones among them. But there were no sick or feeble people among them. Now, if God could do that for them in the old covenant... Then, then how much more can you do that for us in the new covenant? Hallelujah. Wouldn't it be a wonderful testimony that we could say here at City on a Hill Church, You know, there's no sick or feeble people among them. They're all well. They're all healthy. Amen. That's God's will. That's God's... Design. John G. Lake, when he had his ministry in Spokane, Washington, had his healing rooms there in Spokane. Robert probably knows about this. But uh, Spokane was voted healthiest city in America amen. back in the, this back in the 1930s I guess uh, healthiest city in America because they were they were teaching and preaching and ministering divine healing. amen. Hallelujah I believe that's God's desire. know it is that there be no sick or feeble people God wants you well. God wants you to, to be healthy. God wants you to live out your full length of days. you got work to do. For the kingdom of God. You got work to do. Amen. We don't don't need you laying up somewhere. Unable to do anything. We need you well. Running your race. Finishing your course. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe you're going to do it. That we're all going to do it. Amen. Praise God. Let's bow our heads in prayer.